welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hello, this is Buddy C. Welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. Today, we'll be talking about the 18th verse of the Tao Te Ching, but before we do, I want to welcome Brian and Drew and Scotty and Oscar. Good to have you guys. Looks like we're going to have a men's meeting this morning, which is good. Hopefully, we'll have a good discussion today. Any announcements, go to buddyc.org. Lots of good things there that you can participate in, take advantage of if you a lot of need, a lot of recovery resources there, a lot of recovery resources. I want to mention a podcast that I've recently found. It's the Michael Singer podcast. I would highly recommend it. Uh, when I found it, actually, I had a spot. I didn't find it. A sponsee, Derek, uh, told me about it. I looked it up, and it had such good content that I went back and started with his very first episode, and he's in the third season. It's not very often I go back and listen to all the prior episodes. I think I've only done that one other time with, the, I think it was the Zen of Everything. We're not going to have a men's meeting today. There's Tina. Good. Good morning, dear. I thought we were going to have a men's meeting, but it looks like we're not today, which is great. Good to have you. The Michael Singer podcast, though, talking about he goes into all the detail of what it's like to start awakening and live live in that awakened kind of state. Very practical. Uh, it may be the best description I've ever heard of that. Very good. Very good. So I'd highly recommend it. It's the Michael Singer podcast. Okay. Today we will be in the 18th verse. Anyone have a translation they'd like to read? I've got Stephen Mitchell in front of me. When the great Tao is forgotten, goodness and piety appear. When the body's intelligence declines, cleverness and knowledge step forth. When there is no peace in the family, filial piety begins. When the country falls into chaos, patriotism is born. It's a lot like what we were talking about. Was it last week that we had the way... The loved, feared, despised, goodness, piety. It's like lower levels of awareness or lower levels of relationship, I think. Here's the Jonathan Starr. When the greatness of the Tao's present, action arises from one's own heart. Ooh, I love that. When the greatness of the Tao is absent, Actions come from the rules of kindness and justice. If you need rules to be kind and just, if you need rules to be kind and just, if you act virtuous, this is a sure sign that virtue is absence, is absent. Thus, we see the great hypocrisy. Only when the family loses its harmony do we hear of dutiful sons. Only when the state is in chaos do we hear of loyal ministers. Anyone else? You got the pepper version in front of you, Brian? 
Yeah, I got I got two of them with me this morning. I was looking wow. at. Uh, okay. Yeah, I like I like to bounce back between that and the Derek Lynn because the Derek Lynn has a little uh, explanation. Yeah, the uh, Jeff Pepper Clear English. It says, "When natural order is abandoned, there is kindness and morality." When intelligence and intellect appear, there is great deception. When the six kindships are not in harmony, children show their piety piety to their parents. When nations and families fall into darkness and confusion, there are loyal ministers. What was the other one? You want to read the other one for us? Yeah, I'll read the other one. Derek Lynn. Uh Uh-huh. It says, the great Tao fades away. There is benevolence and justice. Intelligence comes forth. There is great deception. The six relations are not harmonious. There is filial, piety, and kind affection. The country is in confused chaos. There are loyal ministers. They're all saying the same, aren't they? Yeah. I was looking for a definition of of filial piety, piety, proper love and respect for one's parents, elders, or ancestors. So it's like what you're obligated to do, what's expected of you. Mm-hmm. It's not coming from a source of a place of love or a foundation of compassion is coming from that foundation. I would think more of fear because mm-hmm. you're going to misplease your family. There was a a friend of mine was doing a real estate deal with a Chinese guy. He's an engineer. He could track his family lineage back a thousand years. Wow. And what they did was they handed down, the guy was real wealthy, handed down money through the years. And he said the worst thing that he could do was lose that money, that his whole family in a thousand years back would be disappointed in him if he did not grow what he was given that obligation, nothing out of desire or love. It was all obligation. He did not want to disappoint his family. That'd be a hard way to live. Wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Did we not do that all the time though? Really? When we think about it, we were at everyone else's whim and pleasure because we didn't want to disappoint. I was looking at the way that I just interpreted that uh, in, in powerless but not helpless. I titled it Living from the Heart. When the way of sobriety, the way of love is abandoned in a life, actions are no longer from the heart. We find ourselves helping others because we're supposed to, not because we want to. We start wishing we no longer have to be honest. We pray less and attend fewer meetings. We become agitated at times for no apparent reason. See the spiral? We eventually become a shell of what we used to be, fear growing behind every action. If we do not surrender again to this way of love, this way of sobriety, we're destined to drink. One one thing that brought to mind real quick, your version of it, <clears throat> as goes to sobriety, is whenever I was trying to manage my addiction, putting rules around it, I can use 
during these hours or when this happens or if there's a celebration or if I'm with friends or on these days, but not these days, or if I've got this coming up, but not if I've got that coming up. So, you know, try, trying to live by those rules instead of just doing what's right. Um, that put me in an even worse spot than, than I was just, when I was just using with no guardrails at all. I like that first, thank you, Drew. I like that first sentence, the most in the star. By the way, anyone listening that knows this guy would really love to interview him. I sent him an email, didn't hear back. By the time this runs, I would have um, already published. I was fortunate enough to get an interview with Marshall Davis. It does a Tao of Christ. Great conversation. I think that's going to, that'll post before this posts. This is uh, Jonathan Starr, translation and commentary of the Tao Te Ching. By the way, all these books that we talk about are at buddyc.org. Go to the resources tab of far left and you can find it there. Also mention my book, which I don't mention often. I'll send you a PDF. If Email me from the website and I'll send you a PDF of the book at no charge. I'll do that for anyone. I'd love to get it into more institutions. I've gotten into several now, but I would love anyone that has those connections in recovery. Let me please email me and let me know. I will free of charge, send as many books or donate a digital copy. I've done that to a a couple of uh, state systems. I think I did that to South Dakota. Someone up there wanted the book. I'm welcome to just give this any way that we can. When the greatness of the Tao is present, action arises from one's own heart. And all these other things, I think, are descriptions of how the actions don't arise from when they are not arising from the heart. There's a problem and we can identify. And these are some of the behaviors that we do when actions not from the heart. Could this be speaking to resentment? Sure. Yeah, I was looking at. Derek Lenz, some of his comments here. It says, think about what happens when hatred takes over your thoughts. Your antagonism against your enemy is so intense that it is impossible to see any common ground between the two of you. This harsh sense of separation is a sign that you become too removed from the positive and uplifting Tao. Then it says, if it is impossible for you to draw closer to the Tao, the hatred will begin to loop. If it is possible for you to draw closer to the Tao, the hatred will begin to lose its grip. You will gradually gain an ability to see things from the other person's perspective. Thank you, Brian. How do we draw closer? We see in a lot of these texts, they give descriptions, but sometimes they lack the how-to. In recovery, we're all about the how-to. If I can't say a how-to, I really don't want to hear it, quite honestly. I don't need to philosophize. <laughs> I've had a, enough of that. Letting go and surrender. Yeah. Letting the, wheel, yeah. letting the wheels turn. Letting it find the groove in the road. Letting the wagon, letting the horse, let the range go. Yeah. Find the groove and then the wagon will 
almost drive itself. Mm-hmm. I think acting you know, without expectations as well. Yeah, that's good, Drew. Thank you. That's what the filial piety part reminds me of is I mean, the kids who are only doing something or refraining from doing something because they fear their parents' reactions. They're not acting in their natural way. They're not acting just from the out, heart. Of, out of, yeah, from the heart. They're acting purely out of the head. What can I gain from this from the people above me, or what can, what will I lose from the people above me if I do these actions? What about I don't know how many times I've heard from sponsees or in meetings I was made to go to church, but as soon as I didn't have to go anymore, I quit. Mm-hmm. Now that's not that person going to church as a kid was not a heart rendered decision. They were going because they had to or they'd get their butts beat or whatever, but they knew it was expected of them. Same thing, right? Mm-hmm. Oscar? Uh, yeah, I see. In the how-to question, I see similarity to, to doing the steps. In the first sentence, when the greatness of the Tao is present, action arises from one's own heart so it it doesn't arise from my will anymore or from my desire or from my head that's how i read it the 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 greatness of Tao can be made present i think in the first three steps and then the action has to follow but when i do the fourth step out of my only with my head and not with my heart i won't do it complete i will find ways to to sabotage myself to get out better or or less worse or whatever things so i think the the, the first three steps are really a preparation for the action and as a matter of fact i move myself with these first three steps closer towards higher power and the, it seems obvious that the greatness of Tao is a higher power in in a way of so I get myself closer to this higher power so I can move from that into action, which doesn't mean I don't have to use my head, but it it's not uh, the director anymore. So it doesn't so it serves me, but it's my head serves my heart as a matter of Factor my head, my brains, my rational thinking serves my higher power. And I try to, and still I try. Every time I want something, I have to be suspicious. When my will is coming in, I have to be, okay, watch out. What's happening here? Is this action coming from my heart? Or is it coming from my will and my thinking? Yeah. That's it. Thanks. Thanks, Oscar. Having the presence to even ask the question is a sign of maturity, a sign that I'm growing. Because how often, before I never even considered it, but now I look at all of those actions, especially 
when I review. I don't do a nightly review like it talks about, I think, in the 10th step. Uh, I just try to do an ongoing review, you know, instead of waiting. Yeah. Those first three steps point us towards surrender, like Brian was talking about. And unless we surrender the control, the need to be in charge, everything, maybe I can say to the extent that we surrender, we can walk in this ease of help that helps us in ways that we cannot, or does it for us, really? Because when I say help, I usually think of, I do all I can do, and I'm hustling, hustling, and the little bit I can't do, then the higher power would help me with, let's say, or God would help me with. But we found that's not how it works, right? The effort that we used to use to hustle we use to step out of the way and allow it to happen for us as we observe it it's not more effort that i need it's not it's just different effort it's different effort it's our effort of moving towards selflessness and really more than that for me it seems to be effort to stay in the moment because all that stuff takes me out of the moment my drinking, my, in more ways than one, it takes me out of the moment because it physically alters how I feel, takes me out of the moment because I'm stuck in things I regret or in the past or out of the moment with resentments. I'm not, if I'm sitting there stewing over what someone did to me with air quotes, I'm not in the moment. I'm not there. I'm not where my feet are. Or if I'm worried about the future, same deal. And the way I seem to come back to the moment the easiest is not only through meditation, which is a trainer for that. The fastest way is for me to stop thinking about myself and see how I can be helpful. And it really doesn't have to be. We talk in recovery that, and I say this a lot too, I'm trying to tone it down a little that uh, usually I get, if it's a big thing, someone will appear in my life for me to help in some way that has a similar issue. If I'm in a pissy ass mood and I'm headed into Walmart, if I stop and pick up that piece of paper, because there's always trash in the parking lot. I'm sorry. I'm kidding. There's usually trash in the parking lot. So I've got something I can do on the way in. If it's putting up carts or if it's whatever, I can do some little action if I'm pissy about anything, anytime. And for me, that's what I have to look for. I have to look for ways that I can turn the attention away from me. And in turn, I'm able to think less about me, which is what seems to be the solution every time. Yeah. So the steps help us draw closer. Yes. Choosing. Compassion over fear is another way. Oscar? Uh, Yesterday I went to a meeting and it was very uh, busy and I didn't get to share. And I would like to have shared something, but I didn't get to it because it was so busy. And then a sponsor of mine showed up after not calling for seven days or something. and, And he should have called every day. And 
And I, I know it's like a kind of pissed off. And then I went back on my scooter, which is a 25 minutes ride. And I noticed the thoughts coming up. Then I felt the anger, really anger, really resentment. And then I thought, okay, but it's windy and there is a beautiful sky. And, and so what you just said, like coming back to the moment, I, I, when I was back in a moment, immediately, as well, the anger, as well as the thoughts were gone, completely gone, not there anymore. And then plop, there was another thought. And then I went again and I went all the way back until I was home. And when I was home, I called my sponsor the, to, to ask if he was okay. And because he left the meeting so fast, so I had a small talk with him. So I, and, and I did it for him, not for me, not to let him be part of my anger. There was no anger anymore. So there was the love to him and a, a bit worried. And then after that, I sat down and said, wow, this was a beautiful example of how a simple thing like looking around and feeling the wind and being there gets me away from a really destructive mood and potential destructive mood. It's just that simple, isn't it, Oscar? That is so much more simple than what what I thought I needed to do. What I was taught over the years wasn't necessarily what I ended up believing. Maybe they were saying something totally different in the way I interpreted it, much how I interpreted the steps when I come in. I thought the first step said that uh, I couldn't control my drinking and my drinking was unmanageable. (laughs) When it says something totally different, step one says we admitted. First, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol and that our lives, not our drinking, had become unmanageable. It's we because whether I like it or not, I need you. What's the saying? We stay sober, I get drunk. That's the one. I think someone mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. Scotty? Good morning, everybody. Glad to be here today. A lot of really good stuff. I'm reading through this and, and I'm thinking about being a kid. I was very fear-based as a child, very fearful of disappointing my parents. So I was pretty well behaved. I did some stupid shit, but I, I was very careful to not get caught. That fear of disappointing other people really carried me through getting good grades and being well-behaved. And then when I got to college and moved out and those proverbial chains came off, so did the wheels. I went nuts. I drank for the next 20 years alcoholically, still living a fear-based life. But at the end of my drinking career, my motivations, like my rules around drinking were no longer to have a good time. I hear the phrase of drinking without my own permission a lot. I wasn't going to have fun with my friends and family. I was drinking because I was afraid that if I don't, I won't be able to handle life situations. So then I came into recovery. And to be very honest, my motivation for coming into recovery was I was afraid of losing my family. Again, afraid. And 
I listened to all the things that you guys in AA told me in meetings to get a sponsor, go, go to meetings, get involved. It was not working the steps. And I did all of those things because again, I was afraid of drinking. So now I'm sober, right? So now what do I do? Why do I keep coming? I'm not necessarily afraid. I don't have that artificial rule or guideline anymore. And buddy just talked about the first sentence in working with others in the big book says practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with other alcoholics. If I go and hang out with other alcoholics, it will keep me sober. And I love being sober more than I'm afraid of being drunk. It's not an artificial rule for me anymore. I'm not following some societal guideline as to why I shouldn't drink. I'm staying sober because I love being sober. The Tao is present. That action is arising naturally now. It's no longer fear-based. Like somebody mentioned earlier, the resentments, when I act under false guidelines, if I am acting virtuous, I'm not actually virtuous. I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. And sure as shit, I'm going to get a resentment, going to catch a resentment, and I'm going to end up praying for you for two weeks because this isn't my natural action. This isn't how I want to be. So it's nice to be here now and find some of that natural internal motivation that comes from somewhere else that's not me pretending to be something I'm not anymore. Yes. Thank you, Scotty. I was thinking about, the for whatever reason, maybe it'll tie in as we move on with the discussion. I was thinking about defensiveness and how defensiveness is a good red flag that we're no longer at that highest place of uh, walking in love in the moment, all that that we're looking for. And there's a Course in Miracles has a lot on defensiveness and how it's a red flag. And the quote I want to use to in my defenselessness, my safety lies. And it talks a lot about when I defend, I'm inviting attack. That whole principle, really, that's difficult to get your head around. Or it is for me, and it's still not there. But I know that when I'm defending something, a lot of times that's the first sign that I can see that I'm no longer, I've moved down that scale and I'm no longer in that place of love and compassion, that place of the Tao. And that if I don't address that, then it's going to keep spiraling outward. Another question I could ask myself, why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I taking this action? And usually the first thing I see is that I'm getting agitated in some way. Why is this aggravating me? Ah, reason it's aggravating me may maybe because I'm trying to control something I can't control. It may be that my people pleasing is causing me to take actions that are no longer through that filter of love. They're moved over to self again. Then we could see the spiral outward and we can do that for any relationship. Like we talked about with the prior verse last week, we can do that with anything. Any action, any moment in my day, is that moment coming from a place of fear or love? In that moment, am I doing this because of the rules? 
Am I doing this because it's expected of me? Now, there's some things I still do because it's expected of me, but I'm finding that those same actions that I do out of obligation, which if they're not thou-centered or love-centered, they're not going to give me the satisfaction or the inward reaction that I desire. And that's the whole, I think that's the whole point is us starting to be able to see that. That's what it's all about. And if we can move these moments into being present and dropping the agendas, dropping the control, dropping the fear, and the steps are what help with all of that. Because in the fourth step, like someone mentioned, it's starting to shine light in areas of my inner life that I did not even know existed. And that's an ongoing process, I think. I haven't met anyone, no matter how spiritual they seem to be, in recovery or outside of recovery, that does not have moments that they have a little degree of this still. I think this may be part of the human condition, not to say that we can't be totally rid of those fears. I, I think it's possible, but are we willing to surrender? And allow that process to happen in our life. I think that's the bottleneck. Yeah, that's good. Thank you. Comments? Let's identify these phases out, if we could, from, we've talked around them, but it'd be nice to put them actually in black and white if we can. When the, I'm reading from Stephen Mitchell. When the great Tao is forgotten, goodness and piety appear. When I start moving from that place of love, one of the first things that happens is I start living out of obligation. I do things because it's expected of me. Interesting, too, he says that in the next phase, when the body's intelligence declines, I think that would be more of intuitive knowing, cleverness, and knowledge step forth. Then I think I got to figure it out where before I could just let go and let this uh what's the the phrase i like a lot that the man of Tao steps on what is already moving just like star said actions arise it's not that we create the action that it just arises and we're more of the uh, observer in those things same thing with this cleverness and knowledge step forth because now we no longer have the found, the Tao foundation that we had. So we're thinking now we've got to figure it out. So instead of the letting go, we're doing the opposite. We're starting to take that control back, take that control back more and more. Star says, if you need rules to be kind and just, if you act virtuous, doesn't say if you're virtuous, but you act like you're virtuous. It's a sign that virtue is absent. So am I acting or am I from the outside? It may look the same only for the most part, what that motivation is. And for me, I see that in expectations of whatever I'm doing. I was watching the Braves game the other night and I had the radio 
I like the radio commentator more than I like watching it on. I like watching it on TV and listening to it on the radio, but they're off sync because internet now. So I was getting the call by call about eight or 10 seconds faster than the, the video. And it was odd what was going in my head as I was watching it. I already knew what was going to happen. So I wasn't ex- as excited about watching whatever play was going on. It's strange. I, it was, I've still not got my head around what all, but all my expectations of what they were going to do at the plate were gone because I already knew what was going to happen, but I still enjoyed it. It's odd. I think there's more there on a spiritual level than what I'm, as with everything that I'm seeing. Now I turned the radio off and my, attitude expectations toward what I was seeing was totally different. (laughs) I don't know. So there's something there. I'm sure with time, maybe we can see it. Then the next phase after this appears to be uh, hypocrisy, true hypocrisy, where we're doing something and feeling totally different or we're doing one thing, but, we really don't want to do it at all, but we're doing it anyway. And we become very hypocritical about our actions. The next is the dutiful sons is just, we throw our mother a birthday party, not because we want to, because we're obligated to. That happened to me one time when she had a mile marker. I didn't want to throw her a birthday party. I didn't want to fool with it, but yet I had to because it was expected of me. Did I do the right thing? Yeah, I did it. But it would have been nice if that would have came from a a place of love. Not that we have a great relationship more so now than then. But it's just interesting how when we reflect back on why we do what we do, that we're at this phase in almost everything. And it can be with our children, too, in a lot of ways. Oscar? Yeah, I was thinking about the hypocrisy. Hypocrisy comes from a theater play, I think, ethnological, <laughs> where the word comes from, where the word comes from. And I, as a kid, I I saw the world really as a stage, and I was really, I, feel, I felt really alienated from it, because I thought everybody is just acting all kind of things, and when you go to a grocery, everybody is nice, and but they don't. Uh, something wasn't right, or something. And I, f- I felt this very long, this very alienated from the play that's that the world is. And then I started to play it myself, of course, as good as I can. But it was definitely uh, loaded with fear and insecurity and anger. And then the solution was obviously uh, alcohol and drugs, where I found, okay, that it is a cynical way to to look for a cure, which also doesn't work. And now I realize, slowly I realize by doing these steps, that when I feel aligned with my higher power, with Tao, and it comes from my heart, I can move quite calm around in this play which is still going on the play didn't change the world is still everybody is still living and working and doing 
and by a set of norms, by a set of rules. Everything is set by rules. Everything. Every interaction is... Everybody knows how the interaction is going to be. Also, when we go to meetings, there are... You do it this way, and you do this, and then this, and then that, and then you say that. And so we go through our day. But when I do this with an open heart in the moment... It's such a huge difference from moving with my head, my brain's working and judging and not being in the moment. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, Oscar, that's really true. Just learning to act out of love instead of some form of fear, because all of that's a form of fear, I think, if we really look at it. And zero it down. When the country falls into chaos, patriotism is born. When the state's in chaos, then we hear about loyal ministers. We don't need all those rules. Or I don't need, if I'm walking in love, I don't need someone. I don't need any law, really. If my life's governed by love, I don't need the rules. Think about it. When we surrender, what happens? I don't want to go kill somebody. I don't want to go rob a bank. I want to be nice to people. I want to help folks. <laughs> that kind of puts it in a in a sentence, the whole thing. Someone asked me what I believe God was. Actually, it was my son. Years ago, we were having this conversation. And I said, I don't know. I just know that. When I'm helpful, I feel better. I said, I'm just going to leave it right there and just be helpful in more moments of the day. And really, none of us can figure God out. No, that's just not going to happen. We don't have the ability to do that. We, we, Whatever we think of, all of that is, is just thinking that has, that can never be definite one way or the other or this way or that way. But I do know. That when I'm in the moment, which I get there a lot of times by being helpful because I can't be helpful in any other time except right now, in this moment, I feel better. And it's, I thought about this, Oscar, when you were sharing, we've got these rules, we've got all this stuff. Maybe that's the pendulum of swinging this way and back. And when we learn to walk in love or in the Tao, we're above that pendulum. And, and the right and wrong and all the extremes and somewhere in the middle is all this pendulum back and forth all the time. Good, and bad, dislike, all the, every one of our negative positives that we place on life is down here. And maybe the pendulum, the further we get away from love or the Tao, whatever, the further we get away, the further down that pendulum goes and the more extremes we see in our life. I think that's a pretty good analogy of that. Oscar? Yeah, I think it's really beautiful. It's a kind of, for me, it's a kind of, as the pendulum is the life and you move around it and you get, and it's a metal thing or something and it bashes you and it bashes you and it bashes you. And the more you get at peace and in Dao or with a higher power, it it goes through you instead of through me instead of a metal thing that bounces me. It's just 
going through me and it's okay. And I just walk there and the pendulum is swinging, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't affect me. It doesn't hurt me. And then, of course, the day comes that you get hurt again and then you have to get up again and you get hurt and then you have to align. I have to back, get back aligned and the pendulum is going to be an illusion again. Yeah. The further away we get, the bigger the swings. That's good. Thank y'all. I, and things like that come out of meetings like this. You know, I'm going to use that one. That's a real good one. Comments? Yeah, when I get into self now, the swings, I can detect this. How about this one? Okay, we're above the pendulum. I notice I'm swinging back and forth much closer now to the top than I did before. Before I get, I have to go all the way down to where I'm just back and forth. And it's just really ruining my day. And before I say, oh, wait a minute, maybe I need to surrender this. <laughs> that happens so much faster now, rather than having all these circumstances, like we had to come into recovery. Now, when I start to lose my peace at times, I can catch it way up at the top. and. Maybe all of these examples we're seeing is a little further down the pendulum, a little further down to where the swings are bigger and bigger. We can live above that, right? When we realize that the thoughts we have are not us, that just because I think something doesn't mean I have to do it, or that I thought something, I did something wrong because I thought it. Those thoughts aren't me. Now, those thoughts in my thinking are pacifying a fear that still needs to be dealt with because they're just protecting the fear, but I'm not those thoughts. And that's hard for me to get because sometimes I will think something and I'll just go down the rabbit hole. And when I do, I'm way down on the bottom of the pendulum and it's swinging me back and forth. Whoa, wait a minute, buddy. Why are you doing that? And then, it's almost immediately I'll just maybe pick someone random out of recovery and start sending love to them and asking that they, you know, have the best day they can, blah, blah, blah. Start thinking of others. And then I surrender it. And the way I surrender mine, I'll start with, I am powerless over blank. My ideas are nothing compared to what the solution could be or the acceptance ones that I use. I wouldn't change blank. Even if I could thank you for everything. I have no complaint whatsoever. If whatever you feel obligated to do, if you start using some of those type uh, tools, you'll notice it, it bothers and disturbs you less and less. So you can, further and further up that pendulum until eventually you're above it and there is no swing the right and wrong you just don't see anymore it's not important i got a pretty good example of that one thing i see in aa a lot are people try to collect sponsees Uh, some people do and you'll know they're collecting them when if it comes up in conversation and someone asks them how many sponsees they have I have four or I have six, I have whatever. 
And one day someone, this is one thing I don't have a problem with. One day someone asked me how many sponsees I had. I said, I really don't know. I guess I'm going to need to count them up because it was unimportant to me because there was not a ego in that regard toward my sponsees. I think that's an example of how, and this is our nature to walk in this. It's not something extraordinary. This is the same way the rest of sentient beings, if you want to use a Buddhist term, all sentient beings that we know of other than ourselves are in the moment all the time. Maybe some exceptions with some higher chimps and that kind of thing. But it's just all the time they're in the moment. And we've lost that with our intelligence. We have lost that peace that comes from the moment. And I think all these practices, all they're doing is getting us back to the moment that we've lost. That's good. Thank you guys for an excellent conversation. Any closing comments today? All good. Y'all have a great week and we will see you next week. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.